0: Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya
1: Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya
0: Bhagavad Gita as it is, translation and commentary by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, chapter 18, text 65. The Bhagavad Gita is the great book of philosophy that teaches us the purpose of life and the goal of life. Here in this verse is the essence of that philosophy. As Prabhupada states in the purport prior to this verse, that the manmana, always think of me, is the essence of the teachings of Bhagavad Gita. As Prabhupada states elsewhere that love is the basis of Krishna consciousness. Krishna consciousness means to love Krishna. Because to know Krishna is to love Krishna. He is the object of love for all living beings. It's natural to love Krishna. Of course, it is possible there is one kind of Krishna consciousness in which one doesn't love Krishna. But that is a very perverted form of Krishna consciousness practiced by such persons as Kaṅsa and Ravana. It's not recommended. If you think, I will take up Krishna consciousness like Kaṅsa and Ravana and then get killed by Krishna, it's not so likely to happen because one may not be as expert as Kaṅsa and Ravana in hating Krishna. So uh, the process recommended is anukulyena krishna shiladam to cultivate Krishna consciousness in a manner that is favorable favorable to the principle of anyabhilashita, shunyam jnana kamadhyana practicing Krishna consciousness in a manner free from all kinds of desires either on the gross platform or the intellectual platform and that is called Bhakti uttama, the topmost platform of bhakti. Now, if bhakti means love, and love by its nature is intense, then how can we talk about higher levels, lower level, higher level? We speak this, uttama bhakti, madhyama bhakti, Kanishta bhakti. It needs to be translated, and everyone can understand, is it? Oh, okay. Then we have Karma Mishra Bhakti, Jnana Mishra Bhakti, Yoga
1: Mishra Bhakti, and Shuddha Bhakti. No, does not understand. Karma is Mishra. Is it, are
0: some of the devotees here very new, or what? Okay, all right. That means, uh, karma-mishra-bhakti means devotional service to Krishna. That's well, a big topic. <laughs> but uh, simultaneously one is cultivating desires for sense enjoyment. That's uh, for personal sense enjoyment. And jnana-mishra-bhakti means when one is cultivating devotional service to Krishna but simultaneously cultivating the intellectual process of trying to understand the Absolute Truth. And a branch of that is Yoga Mishra Bhakti, in which one is attached to the uh, yogic process of spiritual advancement and mixes that up with bhakti. And Shuddha Bhakti, or pure devotional service, pure love for Krishna means that when... One is only interested in loving Krishna, so that may, may, this Kanishta level of bhakti means when one well, means beginning stage, neophyte stage, uh, when one's devotional service is still mixed with uh, many other desires than to serve Krishna. And madhyam or middle stage means um, when one is fixed on the principle of serving Krishna, but still not fully perfect in the practice of doing so, and uttama bhakti means when one is simply loving Krishna. So really, bhakti means uttama bhakti or suddha bhakti, topmost level of pure devotion. Just as love means only love. I I love I love you, but I, I I love my wife but I have three or four girlfriends also so that's not really the proper standard so I love Krishna but I love so many other things also well that's not really pure love so pure love means only for Krishna and this is what's being discussed herein uh, It's is what Krishna is recommending here uh, to emphasize that or underline it he will in the next verse say, Sarvathaman Paritaja, sharanam Sharnamraja. Just give up all other ideas and completely surrender to me. Because prior to this Krishna has discussed various Vedic paths it of elevation. Too? But ultimately Krishna recommends that the the only real thing is to love Krishna. And <clears throat> The great example is the gopis of Vrindavan, who are famous as the topmost devotees of Krishna, who Chaitanya Mahaprabhu recognized as the... who showed the, the best path of worshipping Krishna. Ramya Kachid Vrajavadhu ya Kalpita That uh, the, the best... Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says that the best path of loving Krishna is that demonstrated by the gopis of Vrindavan. And Prabhupada comments about the gopis that they were not great scholars of Vedanta, or they simply loved Krishna. And here at the end of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, just love me. Give up all these different paths, just love me. So should we conclude then that philosophy is not important? We should just love Krishna. That's true. We should all just love Krishna, just like the gopis. Is it a good idea? No. You don't think it's a good idea? I think it's a good idea. I mean, that's what I learned from all this. We should definitely all just love Krishna, just like the gopis. The only problem <laughs> is that we are rascals. We're not gopis. And we tend to love everything else except Krishna. So I was saying Prabhupada had quoted that the, the basis of Krishna consciousness is love. But we find that generally it's considered just, just like. Uh, in India or even outside India, people, if they think of bhakti, they, it's, it's just all love. The path of love. And Srila Prabhupada, who is unquestionably the actual missionary of love or bhakti, uh, he brought that all, this bhakti all over the world. And he also, of course, taught how to love Krishna. It's not really a matter of teaching how to love, because, because it's a natural propensity of the soul to love Krishna. Nitya Siddha Krishna Prem Kabunoi Shravanadi Shuddha Chite Kauriye Odoi You can translate. But Srila Prabhupada gave education in that. Education in the original sense of the term means to draw out that which is already within. However, uh, although Srila Prabhupada very clearly taught that the essence of Krishna consciousness means to love Krishna, we don't see that he was all the time saying just love, love, love. Although, if we see uh, Prabhupada's disciples, their memories of Prabhupada, they're mostly saturated with memories of Prabhupada's loving dealings with them. There are now many uh, anecdotes of Prabhupada recorded, uh, recalled by his disciples, which have been recorded. And the prominent feature we'll see in all of them is how Devotees, they remember how wonderfully loving Prabhupada was in his, just naturally loving in his, everything he did and said, even in his chastisement, which as uh, Shruta Kirti Prabhu, one of Prabhupada's uh, servants, traveling servants, he recalled that Prabhupada would quite, Often chastised for different mistakes made. And he would shout and use very strong terms. And it was not pleasant to be chastised. Yes. I'm doing, I'm not doing properly, I'm not serving my spiritual master properly. It's a yes. bad feeling. But he said that, uh, I, although at the time it didn't feel very. Nice, but he said now I'd give anything in the world to have the opportunity to again be chastised by Prabhupada. Why is that? I if someone approaches you and says, What would you like most in the world? I'd like to be yelled at and chastised. Who would say? But yelled at and chastised by Prabhupada because that that is another transmission of his uh, extraordinary love beyond the material platform. Natural love of the soul. Without reading any new age books on how to be, how to love and be nice and all this kind of thing. Uh, Prabhupada, in everything he did, naturally reflected love of Krishna because he was completely full of it. So Prabhupada's disciples, when they recall him, they recall how he was so full with love, this struck them so much. The very endeavor to leave Vrindavan and go to the West and struggle so much to preach Krishna consciousness is certainly in its essence an expression of Prabhupada's extraordinary love for all living beings. However, we don't find that Prabhupada was most of the time talking love, love, love. Most of the time he was speaking philosophy, basic philosophy of Bhagavad Gita, which culminates in this. Krishna said, you just love me, but there's a lot of philosophical basis to that. One of the many bogus gurus who has become quite uh, prominent in the last few years is working on the principle of love. She, whoever goes to see her, embraces them. Una. and everyone feels the cosmic love <laughs> entering into them. She's another rascal, of course. She dresses herself up as Durga and Complete rascal. So, uh, Prabhupada, although he was teaching the highest love, love of Krishna, he, like I say, he was mostly, he wasn't making overt shows of love, but he spoke the philosophy of Bhagavad Gita. We find in Srimad Bhagavatam also, it's mentioned that bhakti is based on Vedanta.
1: On hearing the veda. Na, na veda.
0: Who knows that verse? Let's see if there's a, that's a little bit of a tough one to ask this one. Anyone? Tat shraddhah namunyo, ganavairagya yukta ya. For Shantiya, when he bhaktya Shrut means bhakti is based on hearing shruti, which means Veda. So, tat shraddhah namunyo. That uh, Prabhupada translates seriously inquisitive. How does he translate? Seriously inquisitive and thoughtful sage. I can't remember exactly. Prabhupada gives a very uh, analytical translation of this important verse. So the, uh, the the seriously inquisitive and thoughtful sage who is uh, enriched with Knowledge and renunciation, or knowledge and detachment, sorry, is able to see the Supreme Lord in everyone's heart by the process of bhakti, which is based on hearing Vedanta Shruti. So, Prabhupada gives a long purport in which he explains how uh, bhakti is based on understanding Shastra. Okay, let's jump back to the gopis now. <laughs> the gopis are the best devotees, but they're not scholars of Vedanta. We don't find this we don't find in the descriptions of Vrindavan that the gopis are discussing among themselves Asi, Aham Brahmasmi and all these things. It's be it's they're simple village women, as Prabhupada commented. Tattvamasi, Aham Brahmasmi, these are two of the four sayings from the Vedas which Shankaracharya, the Mayavadi guru, described as the uh, Mahavakyas or great sayings of the Vedas. They're probably the two most famous. So um, we don't find the gopis were discussing this. They were discussing Krishna. that Krishna is out in the forest Bahava pyramid. He's decorated with peacock feather on his head. He's playing his flute very nicely. He's surrounded by the cowherd boys. The gopis were simply talking about Krishna. This does not appear to be very philosophical. It's full of love. Highest standard of bhakti. The philosophers, they think this is simply stories. The the mayavadis or followers of Shankaracharya... They also say yes, bhakti is very good. They yeah, say right? bhakti is very good. Yeah. Shankaracharya has recommended bhakti for the common man, because he says that this the ultimate goal is Gyan to understand aham brahmasmi I am simply spiritual. But the common man is not capable for this very high level of knowledge, so he should do bhakti, and then gradually he can become qualified to understand that there's no need to do bhakti you just become god yourself this is a, this turning it upside down and putting it on its head is is it caused tremendous damage to the whole understanding of what is bhakti no bhakti is itself the goal Simply to have knowledge, Vedic knowledge without bhakti means actually no Vedic knowledge. And that's why the gopis are the greatest philosophers. They don't discuss philosophy, they discuss Krishna. But that is the highest point of Vedanta philosophy. Krishna is the goal of knowledge in the Vedas. Aho bhattas vapacho togriyan yadji vagri vartete nama tubiam tapas Tapaste te juhvu sastara brahmanucha nama gnanatye te devahuti, the mother of Kapila Dev, declares to him that one who is always chanting your name, the name of the supreme Lord, uh, if that's all they do. They may, I mean, they may not be apparently very great Vedic scholars. They may not be seen to perform Vedic sacrifices or austerities or visiting different places of pilgrimage. But it's understood that they've executed all these preliminary activities in previous lives. Or, even if they haven't, that's all included. It's already taken care of, already considered completed. So the uh, because the ultimate result of following all the different Vedic processes is to the, come to the point of bhakti of loving Krishna, which is manifested by chanting His holy names. So love is is Krishna consciousness. It's not possible to be in Krishna consciousness without loving Him. I was saying previously about kansa, but that's not. When we talk about Krishna consciousness, it's not really Krishna consciousness. That's perverted. Kangsa was intensely Krishna conscious, but in an attitude of enmity. So that's not really Krishna consciousness, even though he was conscious of Krishna. But he was thinking of Krishna as his enemy. So that's not really Krishna consciousness because Krishna is suhridam sarva bhutanam. Krishna is the friend of everyone. So if we think of Krishna as our enemy, then we're not really thinking of Krishna or we're, we're misconceptualizing him. So Krishna conscious means to love Krishna. But then bhakti-ashuta-grihitaya, bhakti is to be uh, understood by hearing. Shravanadi Shuddha Chittai Kauriyayudai, this, the purification of heart by which, uh, love of Krishna is invoked comes about by the process beginning with hearing about Krishna. And that hearing about Krishna it begins with hearing Bhagavad Gita. So, why is that necessary? Why shouldn't we just love Krishna? Because, as I said, we're rascals. Um, We are more possessed of the attitude of kongsa than that of the gopis. We have misconceptions of who is Krishna. Or we don't have information at all who is Krishna. We are possessed of the demoniac mentality. In this material world, everyone is infected by the demoniac mentality. Of thinking, Ishvara Ham. I am the controller. Not Krishna. Aham-bhogi, I am the enjoyer, not Krishna. So, we conceive of Krishna as our competitor or enemy. We should simply love Krishna, but we're not convinced of that. That we should love Krishna like the gopis. Gopis simply loved Krishna. That... Story is given of, that demonstrates how the gopis love for Krishna is the topmost. It's wholly unconditional. That when Narad Muni approached Krishna and asked him, who are your best devotees? How can I understand this? Then Krishna gave him a task. He said, you go to all my devotees and tell them I, I, Krishna have a headache. And naturally my devotees will want to cure that. So you tell them that the cure is to take the dust from his devotee's feet. You please give and I'll take and put that on Krishna's head and that will cure his headache. So Narad Muni went to see different devotees and told them that, well, I'm just coming from Krishna and unfortunately he has a headache. And devotees, when they heard this, they became very concerned. Oh, Krishna has a headache. What can we do to alleviate this condition? So Narad Muni told that we just need some dust from the devotee's feet. You give that, I'll take it back, rub it on Krishna's head and that will cure the headache. But a devotee, how can a devotee agree to put the dust from his feet on Krishna's head? That's, that's against devotion, isn't it? How can you do that? That's offensive. You go to hell if you do that. So all the devotees thought, oh, it's just impossible. How can, how can we put the dust of my feet? I'm just insignificant. He's God. How can we do that? That's not possible. So no one agreed to do so. When Narad came to the gopis and they said, Oh, Narad, where have you come from? I came from Krishna. Oh, how nice. How is Krishna? He has a headache. Oh, they became very distressed to hear. <laughs> so, what can we do? Is there anything we can do to help? So Narad said, well, he just needs some dust from his devotee's feet to smear all over his head and that will cure, Krishna told me. So can you give some dust from your feet? So the gopi said, yes, yes, take it immediately. So Narada was surprised. Don't you know he's gone? How can you put dust from your feet on his head? Don't you know that's an offense? You'll go to hell? Yes, yes, we'll go to hell. But let Krishna's headache be cured. So then Narad could understand that these are the topmost devotees. Because they don't care for their own happiness or unhappiness. Their happiness is simply measured by Krishna's happiness. If they have to suffer the unhappiness of being in hell, they will find that better, that if Krishna is cured of his headache, they will be happy to know that, rather than Krishna is having a headache and they're living very comfortably. Now this is quite opposite to the concept of religion that is common in the world, where people pray, "Give us this, give us our daily bread, and beer, and sausage, and everything else." <laughs> Dhanam dehi, yasham dehi. It's uh, what is that? Manorama, bharya dehi. Dvisho, Jahi. Give me money. Give me fame. Give me a an enchanting wife. Kill my enemies. This is the function of God. I'm here to enjoy. And God, he's here to help me. He's my partner in crime. I believe in God and the proof is I have a new Mercedes car. There's some... There's some... Protestant sects who preach like this, that your your faith in God will be shown by what he gives to you. You see, God loves you, so that proves. You see, you got a new car, that's, that's God. He's doing that. There was one American actor, I can't remember his name, who said that. I, I said... I'd like to believe in God, but I need some sign from Him. You heard this? People say, I need a sign from God, otherwise how can I understand that He exists? I need a sign from God, like, like a, something like a 20 million deposit in my bank account. So people, think that is the sign that God loves us. He gives us more opportunity for sense gratification. Sure. Prabhupada told about his one God brother from Germany, Uh, who had told him about the theistic condition of Germany during and after the Second World War. That all the young boys who weren't fighting and the old men who weren't fighting and the women were praying to send our brothers, husbands, fathers and sons back from the battlefield. It was War. I don't think they encouraged religion much in the Hitleristic times. So they were praying like this. Um, and mostly the women were praying because in those days they didn't have women's live and they didn't send women to fight in the wars. Women didn't, women didn't have the equal rights to go and get shot and killed and blown up. And shoot others and blow them up also. Motherly, feminine characteristics. (laughs) So uh, anyway, what happened is uh, in most cases, the sons, brothers, fathers and husbands didn't come back. So then the whole nation became atheistic. What was the use? We prayed to God and he didn't help us. So no use to believe in God. Prabhupada gave another example that uh, in the early days of communism in Russia, the people were still mostly, the village people were mostly still very religious. So they would go to church and pray, give us this day our daily bread. And the Bolsheviks would be waiting outside the church with a cart full of bread. So the people would come out of church and they'd say, so the Bolsheviks would say, so you prayed to God? Yes. What did you pray for? For bread. Did you get bread? Niet. And so why don't you try praying to us? So our dear Bolshevik brothers, please give us some bread. Da. <laughs> so then they... Then they brought the bread and gave it to them. He said, "So you should believe in communism, not in God, because it's practical." As Prabhupada pointed out, the rascals—they didn't think that how the communists got the bread. They didn't—they didn't manufacture it in their factories. It came by the grace of God. Anād bhavanti bhūtani, etc., as described in Bhagavad Gita, bread comes from God ultimately. So, this is materialistic religion. We pray to God and He helps us to get something for our sense gratification. But this is not what is being taught here in Bhagavad Gita. Actually, in the beginning, there is some discussion, just like this, Anad Bhavanti Bhutani. Everyone is in Annamai, everyone is thinking, where is the next meal coming from? So, a materialistic person understands Anad Bhavanti Bhutan. Everyone lives, everyone needs to eat. But then Krishna explains that food comes from rain. Rain comes from sacrifice. Sacrifice comes from performing prescribed duties according to the Vedas. And the Vedas are uh, coming from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So ultimately we depend on food. For God. We defend on God for food, sorry. But then we have to understand we're not the body, we're pure spirit soul. This body, which we're so anxious to maintain for sense gratification, is th- this attitude is an obstacle to our attaining our real self-interest, our spiritual self-interest, which is to love Krishna. If we're thinking of enjoying the body and the senses then we cannot love Krishna. To understand this point in detail, we have to understand the Vedic philosophy. To separate, to, to, to see the difference between spirit and matter. That is, the difference between spirit and matter is practically demonstrated in the path of bhakti from the beginning. From the beginning, one is trained to offer leaf, flower, fruit, water, and actually everything to Krishna. And in the, from the very beginning the uh, of practicing bhakti yoga, then one's love for Krishna begins to develop. Just like you gave me such a nice welcome here now. That is an expression of love. As soon as we take to Krishna consciousness, then our love for Krishna, which is expressed by also in love for his devotees or even for those who are trying to be devotees that is it 's a natural expression of bhakti so bhakti means love, and from the very beginning, when one takes to bhakti, then naturally the the love for Krishna and for all living beings manifests within the heart. But to make that solid and strong and fixed, it is also necessary to understand the philosophy of Krishna consciousness. Because uh, love is on the platform of the soul and philosophy is on the platform of the uh, intelligence both, uh, for, for one who's completely situated on the platform of the soul, then, uh, his mind is flooded with love of Krishna. <laughs> Krishna says, man mana, always think of me. In your mind, there should always be Krishna. Or as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu explained, anya hriday man, mora man, rindavan. Others, their mind and their heart are one. They're in their intelligence and their desires are together, but for me that means that my thoughts are always of Vrindavan. But on the the mundane or perverted platform, we are ruled, the, the mind is ruled by the perverted intelligence of using our intelligence to want to try to enjoy this material world. So uh by the intelligence we have to train the intelligence to understand what is in our real self-interest by hearing the philosophy of Bhagavad Gita. Sure. But at the same time we shouldn't think that the philosophy of Bhagavad Gita is simply some uh, intellectual exercise. The philosophy of Krishna consciousness that is non that is non different from Krishna. The, the difference between uh The knowledge of Shastra and the knowledge of the mundane world is that the knowledge of the mundane world is imbued and permeated with forgetfulness of Krishna, whereas the the knowledge of Bhagavad Gita that is full of bhakti is not different from bhakti. So it's not that this uh, understanding Shastra is simply some kind of intellectual exercise which we is to be given up when we attain bhakti, but rather it is bhakti. It's non-different from bhakti. Yes. And although the uh, gopis, they may not have been discussing tat but that doesn't mean that uh, that they are totally cut off from any philosophy. Because all the gopis come again as associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and discuss this philosophy of Krishna consciousness in great detail. It's not that when they do so, they're on a lower platform. But in the situation in Vrindavan, what is favorable for their bhakti to Krishna is uh, as they are, their swarupa, their form, as cowherd girls, that is favorable to the love of Krishna in that circumstance. So we should discuss this philosophy of Krishna consciousness and love Krishna. Two things are inseparable. When Krishna says, Sarvadhaman Parityaja, you give up everything and surrender to me, that doesn't mean that we give up understanding the philosophy of Krishna consciousness. Because right after that, Krishna tells that this knowledge should be preached to others. So if it's to be preached, if, if Krishna had to go through the whole philosophy to bring Arjuna to the point of uh, understanding that we simply have to surrender to Krishna, then certainly that philosophy is required for others also. Therefore, we find Prabhupada would repeatedly tell his disciples, you have to read my books, you have to discuss these topics regularly in the classes. Because this is essential for understanding and loving Krishna. Just on the topic of love, there's a t-shirt here, make love, not war. Those of us who know English better know that make love is a it's an English in English that means have sex actually, so yeah. it, this T-shirt may be, not be so suitable for devotees. Made by Iskon? Well, they should say love Krishna better. Because in in karmi terminology, love is more or less synonymous with sex, especially in the modern age. Previously, they had. Some idea of romance, but they just cut that out and it's just, you know, romance was the excuse, but now they're more straightforward and it's just sex, that's all. You have to be very careful in understanding these words. You say, "Love, love, love, we have to define what does that mean. Love means on the transcendental platform, beyond mundane desire. Hare Krishna.
1: You
0: that? Any question
1: or comment? What is actually the difference between Karma Mishra Bhakti and Yukta Vairagya? Because sometimes it seems quite close to each other.
0: Really? And then I don't think you understood either. Kama Mishra Bhakti means, it's not really Bhakti, but it's, there's some approach to Krishna, but one is also, or, or more interested in his own sense gratification. But Vairagya means when one doesn't have any attachment for sense gratification but nevertheless uses the objects of the world, which may be used by others for sense gratification, but uses them for the service of Krishna. So uh, materialistic people might come to a place like this for sense gratification. Uh, And devotees also come here, but for a completely different purpose, for, for, for serving Krishna. Materialistic person purchases a car he sees which is which is best suited for my sense gratification yeah. and a devotee before purchasing a car may also see what are its different qualities and specifications because he 's thinking how can I within my within the budget how can I get the car that will be best suited for uh, for me to use in my service to Krishna. So to the materialistic person, it might seem the devotee is just another kind of materialist, but his attitude is completely different.
1: uh, In the purport, Srila Prabhupada explains how one should uh, focus his mind on Krishna, on this youthful boy with a flute, and how shall we do that practically, When our meditation is mostly uh, connected with the deities of Gornitaya we have at the temple. Simultaneous.
0: If one thinks of Gaur, then he must think of Krishna. Both will come. One cannot think of Krishna without the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And if one thinks of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he must think of Krishna because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu means the very name. his very name, Krishna Chaitanya, means that he's, he is Krishna consciousness. He's fully Krishna conscious all the time.
1: Okay.
0: Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the very emblem of this Manmana Bhava madbhakto Madhyaji
1: Sometimes, or it is said usually that book distribution is in the mood of gopis serving Krishna, but I cannot well, really understand.
0: Well, that's, that's on high level, yes. What's the question?
1: How to really understand that it's the same mood as Well, the that's what gopis I'm saying,
0: man. it's on a high level. Ka-ura. There are various uh, motivations for taking up book distribution. It's said that devotional service should be unmotivated. But that means without any material motivation. So by unmotivated, it means our motive should be to please Krishna, not for any personal motive. So uh, we may do book distribution with the motive of self-purification as a duty uh, because we want to please our spiritual master. And when we become more purified by devotional service, then we can uh, understand how this is connecting others with Krishna, just like the the gopis like to uh, bring people to Krishna. Our own appreciation of Krishna will have to Expand, and then we will be able to uh, then adopt this mood of wanting to bring others to Krishna. Even from the beginning, what with with what, from the beginning of devotional service, appreciation of Krishna is there. Even from the beginning, we can understand that devotional service to Krishna is far more valuable than everything else in this world, and that everyone needs to come to Krishna. So, even from the beginning, we can begin to adopt this mood, but of course that will become more intense as our own devotional service becomes more intense. Practically, from the beginning of devotional service, it's it, it doesn't really change. As we get more advanced, it's not that we start... It's the same thing. It's that from the very beginning, we have to imbibe the mode of doing everything for Krishna's pleasure. But the, the intensity increases. Vansha you know it means the intensity of they know that it's desire increases. Child. And as the intensity of that desire increases, that burns out all other lesser desires. And then so many realizations. Hare Krishna. Thank you so much for your Loving welcome. All glories to Srila
1: Prabhupada.